Well, good morning, everybody. It is Jean Nathan, and this is Crosstown Conversations. And I have, um, as usual, I would have to say, a very interesting lineup of people for the show today. One is um, the artistic director of one of the leading dance companies in the world um, that is going to be performing here in New Orleans shortly. Uh, one is an amazing hip-hop artist who's highly acclaimed and awarded and recognized nationally who is working with young people to try to um, introduce them to the to the media world in, in addition to a lot of other credits, and we'll go into that. And we are really looking at um, a fabulous, uh, just fun um, hark back to the disco days at the Contemporary Arts Center for their Sweethearts Ball coming up shortly, too. So we're going to touch on all of this, and we're going to start off with um, really Troy Powell. Have I got you, Troy? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Um, so Troy, y'all, is artistic director for the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. And as a former dancer, I can tell you that this company is held in awe by people worldwide. And he is only the second artistic director in his history and, and somebody who is carrying forward a, a tradition of excellence and innovation that um, really uh, – attracts audiences everywhere they go, and we're so fortunate to have them in New Orleans. And and your company, actually, Troy, has been in New Orleans um, at least a couple times already. Isn't that true? Yes, that's true. Uh, we have Actually, we have two companies, and I am the artistic director of Ailey 2, which is the second company um, of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. As you know, Alvin Ailey started the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater in 1958, over 50 years ago, to celebrate the African-American heritage and the modern dance tradition. And Mr. Ailey always had big dreams, had big ideas, and one of his ideas was to have a second company, which is Ailey Tube, which was formed in 1974. And this company was a company that gave students of the Ailey School an opportunity to work with emerging choreographers, uh, get to travel, to know what it's like to work in a uh, six-hour, five-day-a-week rehearsal period. And it was more or less a training company for young dancers to uh, perform and to work their way to the professional world. And we're the company that's coming to, to New Orleans. So, in other words, you're really dealing with kind of the emerging generations of dancers and choreographers. Would that be... Yes. Yes, we call it the next generation of dance. So these are the dancers that are transitioning into the professional world, as well as choreographers. So this is a pocket, a place where they all get to hone their skills for that next level. You know, um, I've always uh, been somewhat uh, surprised that dance doesn't have a higher profile in the city of New Orleans where I'm sure you have had some exposure to the unique dance styles of the people of this city, um, which is a, a style of dance that is, is totally unique to New Orleans. You don't see it anywhere else. And a lot of people can try to approximate it, and they do approximate it, but they really can't do it. You can't do it unless you're from here. It's, it's such a unique style. But it's such an important part of the lifestyle here. Yet the performing version of dance on stage, fine art dance maybe, uh, so to speak, 
um, mm-hmm. is not nearly as popular, and I've never really understood why. But um, if there's any um, company whose work I think it is so interesting and important for people in the city to go out and see it is the work of your company. I have been a longtime fan. I have seen your work. I'm a former New Yorker, so I've gone to your concerts there and here. And I've also, you know, I've worked in my own choreography and and innovative dance. I I danced a bit with Yvonne Rayner before I left New York, and I I studied Graham technique. And I tried to do Cunningham, but that was a little bit beyond my skill base. (laughs) That's very rigorous, demanding dance. So um, tell me a a little bit about, you know, how you got started in this. And you you rose to the position of artistic director. So you had to have worked really hard because, as you said, uh, dance is, is, is means hard work, and um, it, it, it's a, it takes enormous passionate commitment. Well, yeah, dance is hard work, and when you're performing, you express all of that hard work, and I think that's why Ailey is so moving, because when you see a performance of Ailey, it just touches you, you know, and especially if you're a dancer, because we talk about, we dance about, and we express real life things on on the stage, and I had the wonderful opportunity of meeting Mr. Ailey at the age of nine, and he was really, uh, really adamant about the next generation of dance and exposing his company to uh, the next generation, especially kids. So I had the great honor of meeting him when I was at the tender age of nine years old. He came into my elementary school during an outreach program where he did a lecture demonstration. He taught a class that I taught, I took. And from there, I just, I just actually, I absolutely loved it. And little did I know it was an audition. He had a program in New York. They had the money, they had the facility, but they just didn't have students. So as a, as a part of getting students to come to train at his school, he gave me a scholarship. Um, we didn't know it was an audition. We got a letter in the mail the next day saying, uh, a couple of weeks later, saying that we had been offered a scholarship to uh, an ALE program. And, of course, you must have been over the moon. totally free. So I- it, was, it was an honor. And then I, I trained with the school for about 10 years. Then I danced with ALE, too. And then I danced with the Alvin ALE American Dance Theater for about 10 years. And then after leaving the company... I transitioned back to working as assistant director and resident choreographer for Ailey 2. And as of 2012, to make the long story short, I became the artistic director of Ailey 2, only the second one to have ever had this position in its exception since 1974. So, so let me go uh, back for let, let me go take a few steps back for just a minute because uh, one of the things I love to do on this show is to help people um, right. out there. Uh, understand the trajectory from their insip- their their inclinations and their instincts about what their interests and talents are to developing a really robust career and you know job opportunities and business in in whatever the fields but in particular in the creative fields because we are such a creative city here so I, I really try to help people all those creatives out there see where they can go how on earth at the age of nine did you <laughs> discover I mean that's uh, what is that fourth grade or something discover yeah, actually, that that's you, like the fourth grade and as a how, kid how did you, how did we you, always 
enjoyed music in the house. We always danced around. We always performed for our parents, little, little dances. We were always entertaining as, as siblings. So when I got the opportunity to work in sort of a structure-type situation with Mr. Ailey, and he was just all about self-expression. He wasn't really, although he was really about technique, but he was really about, you know, uh, expression. He was really about uh, uh, humanity, and he was really about just being free and being who you are. And uh, I guess him and his company members saw that in me and, 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 and some of the students that also was awarded a scholarship. And it was just something that I love doing. It just made me feel great. It just made me feel um, I just had such a great uh, feeling, you know, doing I felt free. I felt like I could be myself and express who I was through through movement at at the age of nine. And and Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, it was something that I, again, loved. I enjoyed it. And you must really uh, see that same experience, that same transition from um, having an instinctive uh, interest and love for movement and dance, but then discovering that it can be something that you can make a life of in the dancers that you work with. Yeah, it's full circle. Yeah, I, I see it in in each and every one of them, and I see that each and every one of them want it. Each and every one of them are very committed and very hungry. So me as a, 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 an, a guide to help them, it it definitely is something that I I love doing, something that I I want to do, and something that I see that they 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 need in a, in in a sense. Um, someone that has been in in their shoes, someone that knows the the right the proper steps to take to become a professional dancer. Uh, Troy, let's talk for a minute about the show that you're going to present here in New Orleans, and I'm curious to hear if you have any kind of a master class that you're doing with students here, and um, I'm going to be kind of really interested to hear from you afterwards as to what your experience in New Orleans uh, was like. So maybe you give me a call um, after you're finished uh, here in town and, and give me a little feedback on it. But um, so, so tell me about, first of all, the show, exactly when, where, and how to get okay. tickets and so on. Yeah, the performance is at Dixon Hall in 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 New Orleans, Louisiana, and you can go that's to That's at Tulane Alvin. University, right? Yeah, that's at uh, the university. And you can get um, tickets at um, alvinailey.org, and I'm sure there's a website um, for... Uh, the New Orleans Ballet Association, because I think they're the ones who's presenting us. You can go online to uh, their website and get and get tickets as well. So um, you better get them fast because I think they're they're probably uh, selling out. And what what night is the performance? The performance is Saturday night, February twenty seventh at seven thirty. So that's uh, the following weeks. So people have just a little bit of. Uh breathing here to uh, uh, to uh, check in and get their tickets. I, I might also just think about calling Tulane University and asking for Dixon Hall 
for those who yeah. uh, don't have um, easy access or who don't like to do the tech thing. But uh, let's also just uh, pin down how you spell Alvin Ailey dot org. A I V A. I'm sorry. A L V I N A I L E Y at Alvin Ailey at dot org. I'm sorry. A L V I N A I L E Y. Dot org. org. Okay. And then the association that's actually presenting it is the New Orleans Ballet Association. We know how to spell that. Um, so, okay. So what are you presenting? What, what are the performances in, in particular in this, in this uh, presentation? Well, we're doing four works. We're doing three new works, a uh, work entitled In and Out, which, which is a, um, a hip-hop piece which has choreography by a young man named Kyle Clark, and um, this piece was uh, created this this past summer, and um, it's a it's a piece that we we just got, and it's uh, it's a new work that he created on Ailey Two, and it's the first time Ailey Two has ever had a a hip hop piece in in its in its repertoire. So this is really exciting, this merging of hip-hop into mainstream performance. You're kind of seeing this all over the place. I watched the uh, Grammys the other night, and I was just blown away by some of the merging of different kinds of genres and um, seeing uh, hip-hop as part of the um, Hamilton Broadway play. That was my first time actually seeing any performance from that play, and everybody's, of course, raving about it, but it was really exciting to see it. Um, so I, I love that, that hip-hop is, is merging into the real world, and, and I think it's going to be very exciting to see it. And with young people who really are part of that culture, for them to be performing right. it, it's got to be a very exuberant experience for them and therefore for the audience. Yeah, well, I, I, I also think that hip-hop dance is now beginning to cultivate more so within the concert world. Right. You know, it's, it's, it has been in the commercial world, on TV, it has been in videos, it's been on, you know, YouTube for a very long time, and I think incorporating that into concert uh, dance is, is something that not only uh, modern dance companies are exposing themselves to, but hip-hop, they're making that, that transition. And, you um, know, if you think historically about how dance evolved over the centuries, um, and and the formal ballet and even and the formal modern dance, um, all of it, at some point in its development, um, related to the folkways of people. I mean, the, the, even the the dance that we think of as so refined, the old Russian formal ballets. They they, uh, if you trace back far enough, they come from folk dance. Right. Exactly. What else besides In and Out are you presenting? Actually, that that hip hop piece is called I Am the Road. I'm sorry. We're we're opening with In and Out, and that has choreography by Johnny Mill, and that piece is more of a kind of uh, a contemporary ballet piece mixed with modern dance, and it talks about um, different views of in and out situation of contemporary life. Ah, interesting. 
Yeah, so, so he is... So it's um, very sociologically driven. It, it tells a story yeah. about how we are either in or out of the of the right. mainstream culture. Exactly. Uh-huh. Well, that's fascinating. So is that a young is that a young choreographer also? Um yeah, I don't want to say that people are old, but he's he's young. Okay. He's he's evolving. All right. He's an evolving choreographer. And then we have a duet entitled Gemios, which is a duet that has choreography by Jamar Roberts and Jamar Roberts is a principal dancer with the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. So we got two in one. We got a great piece, and we got someone from the first company to work with the dancers of Ailey, too, which was a, a pleasant prize. It was just absolutely wonderful that the dancers of Ailey, too, got to work with a dancer from the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. So that in itself was an amazing uh an amazing thing for these dancers that that was so they were so honored to get to work with someone that they look up to and someone that they watch on stage and that piece is entitled Gemios G E M E O S G E M E O S and that uh is that means twins in um in Portuguese ha huh. and oh, okay so i get it now it's sort of like gemini yes exactly uh -huh. So it's so, it's it's kind of um, uh, maybe uh, two spirits um, playing off each other. Yeah, it's actually a piece about him and his brother. He took it a uh, little uh, personal, uh -huh. and it talks about their relation relationship, how it turns from hostility to harmony. He was the dancer, his brother was the athlete, and they were always sort of pinned up against each other, and they had really. Uh, uh, a relationship that conflicted and well, you know, how they sort of regained their relationship years later when they got much older and it's now um, it's, it's, uh, they have such a great relationship he, he, he always says it turns from hostility to, to harmony and when he and Jamari came in and did the work uh, of course he wanted to cast two boys in the piece but we have three different casts. We have a cast of two boys, and then we have two casts of a girl and a boy. And the girl that you'll see do the duet is Courtney Ross, and she's from New Orleans. I don't know if you know this. Yes, I did hear that. And, okay. of course, we're okay. always excited to see our hometown t uh, t talent included in national performances. So that's exciting for us to have her come home. Yeah. Yeah, that's, she, she's awesome. Um, she came here from New Orleans in the early BFA program, and um, she, she's a wonderful dancer that, that, that really caught my eye. What is the BSA program? It's a, a program where you can gain a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in dance, and it's a part of one of the, the, the programs that Ailey has here. You know, we have a big school and we have different programs. We have a scholarship program. We have the certificate program where you gain a certificate in dance after three years. We have the independent studies program. We have a children's program. And then we have the Ailey Fordham BFA program, which is a BFA program where you can gain a Bachelor, a bachelor of Fine Arts degree in dance while studying at, at Fordham University and doing your dance classes at the Ailey at the Ailey School. And well, this is, not, I have to admit, I really I, I really didn't know a, a, about all that. That is a fabulous commitment to the yeah. next generation. It's not just a performance or two. It's it's really a very robust 
educational program. And I, it's so it's just amazing what happens to young people when they get exposed um, through such programs to creative work of whatever it happens to be. And and you know a lot of people think of dance as as something that's very specialized and and unique to only certain kinds of people. And yet. I know a lot of athletes, for one, athletes and and even fencers and and, um, uh, football players who take dance as a way of kind of really um, evolving and developing uh, what they do in in other parts of their lives. So, um, you know, I'm so excited that you guys are coming here to town. And um, uh, are you doing just one last question? Are you doing some kind of a master class or any educational um, component or are you just uh, doing the performance itself? Well, we are doing a master class that Saturday at 1030 a.m. at Tulane uh, Dance Studio. Okay, so um, you probably will come across a young woman um, Monique Moss, who uh, works with us in our um, program, yeah, in our well, in our Creative Alliance uh, organization, because uh, she's with Tulane uh, Dance Program. But um, I, that's great. So can uh, can anybody come to that? Or you have to register for that ahead of time, right? You probably have to register through the, the Ballet Association. Um, it's not it's not too late, and um, you, you can come in. It's probably I'm. I'm sure it's an open. Um, it's an open master class. Right. Fantastic, so Troy. Um, congratulations to you for your career and your work you. with this. this. I'm looking forward to the, these performances in and out. Um, a first hip hop um, performance uh, by the choreographer Kyle uh, Clark. Um, Jamar. I am the road. I'm sorry. I am the road. I am the road. Right. I'm sorry. In and, and in and out is uh, by Jamar, and the duet uh-huh. by. Um, I'm sorry. The duet is by Jamar, and um, then the uh, the in and out is um, by uh, Emil Jamar. Well, I'm getting it all mixed up, but um, <laughs> there's the, <laughs> this beautiful elements to it. We're doing revelations. Of course, we can't come to New Orleans and not do revelations, which is the masterpiece okay. of the album. American dance. Right. So we all know about that. I have seen that more than once, and of course, it's it's utterly beautiful. So you have a wonderful visit here. Y'all, Thanks. try to get into that master class called the New Orleans Ballet Association. Get your tickets. It sounds like you better get them soon. Uh, the performances <laughs> at Dixon Hall at Tulane University, right here in the heart of the city. And um, Thank you so much for coming, and we look forward to the following visits because I know you all will will be back again. Oh, well, thank you, and I want to thank New Orleans Valley Association for having us. Um, Absolutely. They've been doing a wonderful job at it. They do do a great job of bringing in great companies like yours. Um, Okay, Troy, see you in New Orleans. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's February 27th, everybody, next Saturday. Um, I now have uh, with me... um, Somebody who I met recently in a very unique circumstance. Um, I was um, going to visit 
a an artist's residency, and an artist's residency is where some organization, and I'll explain in a minute this one, um, hosts a number of artists who come in, uh, kind of like our Joan Mitchell Foundation here in New Orleans, right there on Bayou Road, has a, a similar program where they provide lodging and studio space for artists of different disciplines to work. And Jasiri X, who is with me now, um, was in the program at the uh, Robert Rauschenberg um, artist residency where my husband Bob Tannen happened to be for a whole five weeks doing nothing but working and making art day and night. Um, really, his focus was all about the coastal uh, challenge that we're all up against in, in our region, and we have to really work harder on And so he was trying to express uh, the issues through... Um, through art as well as the planning work that he also does. So, um, and then there was this guy, Jaziri X, and um, my husband was just blown away by him and his work. And, and so um, I started uh, uh, to communicate and, and learn more about what he's done. And, and it turns out um, through a friend of ours who actually is involved in coastal work, I think we, um, Okay, I'm, we're going to have him on in just a second. We we lost connection, but we're going to get it back. Um, he he um, turns out to be kind of a big deal, both nationally and in his uh, town where he works mostly, which is Pittsburgh. Um, he was uh, the first hip-hop artist to receive the coveted August Wilson Center for African American Culture Fellowship. He is a founding member of the anti-violence group One Hood. Um, and I, I'm very anxious to hear about his experiences with that because, of course, we know how important that is, is to us in New Orleans, how to divert you, young people from taking out their, venting their anger and their problems in their life with violence. Jasiri also started something called the New Media Academy um, to teach young African-American boys how to deal with the new digital media. Um, and he, he's, he's really he's such a combination of things. He's such a, uh, an artist with so many different kinds of talents. He characterizes himself as an artist, as an activist, an educator, a speaker, and a leader. And in the meantime, we're having a little bit of technical issue trying to get him um, uh, his line to hold. We've uh, been connected and, and get unconnected a, a couple times, but um, I heard him actually um, rap along with some very unusual Irish artists in uh, in in the uh, residency, which, by the way, is in a place called Captiva, which is an island off the coast of uh, Florida in the Central Gulf, and. Um, I was I was uh, pretty much blown away by the ability of him to work in that totally different m medium. So, um, which button shall I push? One. Oh, I can just talk. Yeah. Hello. You hear me? Yeah, now I do. I don't know what happened. Hey. Had, yeah, I'm so yeah, they sorry. Were to, they were trying to stop our conversation. Huh? Nah, <laughs> we just we just couldn't quite. Uh, there was something going on there. But I'm just Siri. I just went through a lot of your credits and talked about who you are, and, and the mix, you know, artist, activist, educator, yes. speaker, and leader. That is taking on a lot of responsibility and, and bandwidth. And I'm somebody who always I'm, takes takes on a little bit too much, and, and I'm, I, I, I often 
have, uh, have issues with uh, uh, juggling all the balls. That's a lot to be juggling. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of times they intersect, though, you know, um, you know, doing the community work. And um, a lot of my community work is around using hip-hop music to, um, you know, bring our neighborhoods together or teach, you know, use hip-hop in an educational way uh, to raise the consciousness of our young people. So a lot of times they intersect. I am very busy. Um, it was difficult to take five weeks out to go to um, Captiva, Florida, to participate in the residency, but, I mean, it was really... It was an experience that um, I, I, you know, I, I could never, you know, relive or, or um, you know, an experience that I would never get back. Um, and I was honored to meet, you know, um, you know, Mr. Tannen as well as the other artists that were there. And it was, you know, incredible. And, um, you know, I, I actually feel like I want to, so people kind of understand uh, one of your um, essential talents, and that is as the artist, as a hip-hop artist. Yeah. We, we do have uh, one of your works, and uh, I let Lee Hardy, um, uh, my engineer, make the selection from the ones that you sent us, and, and he selected the babies. Absolutely. So we're going to play just a little okay. bit, just so that folks understand um, who we're talking to. It inspires the babies' questions. How can we, as a community, positively affect the lives of black men so that black men can continue to positively impact the world? Can I ask my question first, please? I want to ask you a quick question. How can we hold ourselves accountable when we don't know why we think the way that we think? The first thing is we cannot be held accountable if we don't know what's wrong with us. get easier they ain't tell us we'd be crucified in the media turn into a hashtag highlights on wikipedia the rich get greedier the poor more needier the hood seedier lock us up instead of freeing us who speaks for us we ain't listening when you preach to us so concerned when we can only learn what you teaching us of love is a lap dance and hip-hop is rap bands our babies they don't stand a fat chance damn Right at the heart of things, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I wanted to comment on um, how um, a lot of times when it comes to how we condition our children, like how does the impact of this violence that our, our, our children see, whether it's violence in our community, police violence, you know what I'm saying, uh, where you see, you know, seven, eight, nine, twelve year olds being uh, killed by the police department. Like, what effect does that have on our children? Particularly when we tell our children, like, we, a lot of times we have this, like, no tolerance on violence rules in our schools. So we tell our children that, you know, fighting is wrong and violence is wrong, and then we go and bomb another country, you know what I mean, and, and, and take their resources. So I just wanted to talk about, to me, how I felt like a lot of times the way we behave and how we condition and educate our children are very contradictory. Um, t- give me a feeling, Jaziri, for how you 
you, you're really uh, um, bringing some very, very substantive, serious, serious issues to your work. This is not just entertainment. This is a not not just Absolutely. dance music. This is you know this is not dance club music. This is really trying to reach people and get them to think about their lives and and what they're doing in their society and the people they're working with. How did this all start? What what motivated you to 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 do this deep a dive into the lives of the of the people that you've come up with and and that you are want to help. It's interesting because it really started, you know, with Louisiana. So for me, um, because of the way you know I grew up um, south side of Chicago, and then I moved to Pittsburgh, but my mother just raised me to be socially conscious, and she gave me the name Desiri, which is a uh, an African name that means brave warrior, and she just raised me to you know have heroes like Dr. King and Malcolm X and you know, Shirley Chisholm and Sojourner Truth and these individuals. And so uh, when I encountered hip-hop, you know what I'm saying, I always wanted to do music with a message, but, you know, I was told over and over again that, like, nobody wanted to hear music with a message, that type of music doesn't sell. So I was just, you know, a, a community activist in Pittsburgh, and I was working for the school system, and I heard about a situation that was happening in Gina, Louisiana, around these six young men called the Gina Six. And this is when uh, MySpace was the social media, so I was learned on MySpace about the Gina 6, and I decided to write a song about, you know, a song called Free the Gina 6. Um, I sent it to a website called allhiphop.com, and then somebody sent it to a radio host named Michael Bazin, who ended up playing the song, you know, for his listeners. He had a syndicated radio show that was all over the country. And next thing you know, it was being played all over the country. I ended up in Gina, Louisiana. And, you know, a lot of people, because of the way I rapped the song, people thought I was from Louisiana. And, you know, when people found out I was from Pittsburgh, they were kind of like, man, well, why would somebody from Pittsburgh write a song about what was happening down here? And I just saw, you know, the, 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 the plight and the struggle and the injustice of those young men as being similar to me. I saw myself in them, and I saw the young people that I work with every day, and so I felt like I needed to speak on it. So once that became successful, it showed me that I was lied to, that, like, people actually do want to hear music with socially conscious messages. And so whenever some, you know, issue would come up in our community, people began to, like, hit me up, email me or message me and, and encouraging me to rap about these different issues and these different, um, um, you know, injustices that were happening. And so that became, you know, you know something that I, I really focused on. And I, I almost feel like I was kind of recruited by the community to, you know, use, you know, the medium of hip-hop to speak to a lot of these injustices. Uh, and and, and uh, I, I just can't uh, say how important it is that somebody like you ignored those early statements of people that said, you can't do, you can't do. I always tell people, just tell me no. That's the the, the, the strongest encouragement I can get to do what I do in my life is uh, tell me no. And, and obviously, no, I, I and, and, and I want other people to know that. So, you know, you had to hear that no a lot and just keep going. Absolutely. And this is why, you know, uh, one of the workshops I do a lot on uh, Tyler's campuses or in high schools, I have a workshop called How to Succeed in Hip-Hop Without Selling Your Soul. Because <laughs> I've, been a, um, I've been a full-time hip-hop artist since 2010, you know, and I've been, you know, uh, uh, successful, you know what I'm saying, in terms of this is how I pay my bills and I'm doing well, you know, and, um, you know, getting these different fellowships and different opportunities. And, uh, you know, but I wanted to let you know, particularly people of my generation know that, you know, you can be, because I was told so many times that I couldn't do this type of music and have success. 
It's like, no, I'm doing this type of music. I'm speaking on these issues. I'm doing what I love to do, and I'm having, I'm having success. I'm traveling all over the country and around the world um, doing what I love. And so um, that's why I teach that workshop to let, you know, uh, uh, people in my generation know that, like, you can do it too. You know what I'm saying? And you can do what you love, and you can do what you're passionate about, and let that be something that, you know, you do for a living. So it's like I wake up every day happy because it's another day doing what I love to do. Uh, let's go to your activism and and your um, the new media academy because this yeah. is an argument that I make a lot that when people want to talk about our violence and the crime and 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 they want to talk about you know the the criminal justice system and all I want to do is talk about what kind of education are young people getting to deal with this technological revolution that we're going through that right. is putting so many people whether it's older white people or younger black people it's putting us all out of work and so uh, unless you have the skills for this new world that we're entering so tell me tell me about the academy because i i feel like that's something we really need here well i mean it really came from um you know i was being supported by the Heinz Foundation in Pittsburgh as an artist and so um, they actually did a study uh, with uh, an organization called the Pew Center, and they researched how the media in Pittsburgh covered black men specifically. And they, they researched all of the local news organizations, and what they found out was 90% of the time that they covered black men in Pittsburgh, it was crime. That when it came to quality of life stories about black men, that it was less than 3%. So when the studies of these findings were released, we went to the Heinz Foundation because, you know, we had had success myself and um, uh, I was working with a brother who was part of a, um, a hip-hop group that was very uh, well-known in the uh, late 80s, early 90s called X-Clan. And we were making these videos. Uh, we made a video called What If the Tea Party Was Black that went viral. We were making all of these, you know, kind of unique and different videos and songs. And so we went to the Heinz Foundation and we said, we want to teach young black men how to analyze media and how to create media for ourselves and to tell our own story, you know. And so that was the, the genesis of it. Now we have the young people of color, and also a part of it is what we call the proper use of social media. Because a lot of times, you know, uh, we're you know we're on these devices, we're downloading these apps, and sometimes we're oversharing, and sometimes we're sharing stuff that you know once you put it online, it's never going away. And what we saw in Pittsburgh happening was there were actually beefs happening that were coming off of social media. And so we wanted to kind of begin to have that conversation because we knew, you know, teachers weren't discussing these things, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes the teachers don't even know which app these young people are using or how to use it. And so because, you know, we come from this generation, we wanted to also have that be a part of the, of the academy. But the main goal of the academy was we wanted to empower our young people to tell their own stories and so they could, that we could define ourselves and not have somebody else define us. Where, where do you see, give me some sense of, of what you feel uh, is happening in, in, a, in a broader universal context um, beyond what you're doing and, and what others are doing and, and how you feel the kind of work that you are doing and others. There, I, I don't know about that many programs that are similar. I'm sure they're out there. Um, how how do you th see the uh, something really turning around? Where, how, how do we really achieve a sort of impactful um, change that has a, a broader um, value? That you know, you're, you're obviously going to be affecting the kids that you work with. What about everybody else? Right. Well, I think it's happening. I mean, you know, I remember, you know, and I've been I've been in this work for for ten years. You know what I'm saying? So I remember 
you know, early on, you know, trying to press people to have a conversation about police violence. Now, you know, something that we're literally talking about every day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we went from trying to force this conversation to, in 2014, the biggest athlete in the world, LeBron James, put it on a shirt that says, I can't breathe, um, in, in regards to the officer that, you know, choked and killed in regard to on video um, being not indicted. And so um, I, I feel like, you know, the, the activists, the young people that took the streets in places like Ferguson and places like Baltimore, uh, Oakland, California, um, really helped, you know, uh, push forth um, a, a, a real call and discussion around, you know, the impact of police violence, the impact of, of poverty, you know, violence in our community. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I really see, like, a change happening. Even, you know, I, I, I'm seeing this discussion coming to the mainstream. Where you have, you know, the Washington Post for the first time ever, you know, actually calculated how many people were killed by police last year. I believe it was over 1,100. You know, of course, you know, a higher representation of those individuals, or you had a, you know, you were, I think, nine times more likely to be killed by the police if you were black. Um, so I see that happening. I mean, come, we just seen Beyonce in the Super Bowl, you know, do, you know, a, 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 a a, a, a pro-black performance, I guess, if you recall, that, you know, some people deem controversial. I don't know why. You know, you had Kendrick Lamar on the Grammys. Kendrick know, Lamar uh, a blew me. That was really strong and really positive. Yeah. Well, I see, the, I see it turning, and I see us coming back to, you know, uh, one, I see, like, a lot of young people in the streets willing to, to, to protest and participate, you know, to get justice for these cases. And I see, like, mainstream media taking notice. You know what I'm saying? You have now people from the Black Lives Matters organizations running for office and getting involved on that level. And so I really feel like we're turning the tide and we just got to keep pushing. I couldn't agree with you more. And and there was something to me uh, that really brought this home the other night. First of all, let me just say on on Kendrick Lamar's performance, it blew me away. It was so incredible because it did exactly what you're talking about. It was obviously entertainment um, at its core, but uh, the messaging was the kind of messaging that you're talking about, and clearly he made a decision yeah. somewhere in his life, similar to yours, to not listen to some DJs who said, don't do that, and he did it, <laughs> and look at it. I mean, Absolutely. it was so powerful. It was the most powerful moment for me in the whole show, although I must admit I fell asleep before it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't. I'm going to watch it on you YouTube and see I the think, rest of it. I think Tim Ball was at the end, so you didn't, you didn't miss anything. No, no disrespect to Tim Ball. <laughs> okay. It, it was yeah. After, after Kendrick, it was cool to turn the TV off. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, actually, I mean, I, you know, whether you uh, fully appreciate either Bowie or or Lady Gaga, I I thought that was a oh, really yeah, intense yeah. Uh, effort on her part too, and that whole I, the I whole do, show. I do have a, lot, a great deal of respect for David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I have to say, the whole show to me, I've I, I've watched watched the Grammys before, and I found it kind of tedious. This show was knockout. I just was every. A major number that they did, whether it was just a, a small voice with a uh, acoustic, pra- practically with a guitar, or big monster productions, it was pretty incredible. But I was thinking about you when I saw Kendrick Lamar and thinking that you know that that was the example of a kind of um, direction that you're going in. And I hope a lot of other artists as, as well are, and 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 ha- and that you have the effect that you're looking to have. I want to play. Well, I, I um, I want to play uh, another piece uh, of your music, and 
Um, really, I, I look forward, uh, Jaziri. I, I definitely want to um, uh, keep a running dialogue with you. And um, I, I, what I wasn't able to put together for this particular show, but I would like to put together in the future, is is some of the other artists from the city who work in your vein and, and, and yeah. promote that kind of dialogue, especially since I didn't know about your beginnings with um, a story about a, the Louisiana Six. So I, I'm, I'm excited to... Uh, to keep that dialogue going. So, Absolutely. Um, and we're and gonna... if I can just, you know, shout out one artist. I mean, that's a brother um, named D1, uh, who's a good friend of mine. He does have a video right now that's going viral um, called Sally Maybach, where he's talking about paying back his student loans. You know what I'm saying? So it's intelligent, it's educational, it's fun, it's a good song. You know what I'm saying? So uh, definitely shout out to D1. You know, that's the, that's the homie. Thank you, and we'll uh, we'll get him on the next show with you. Um, we're going to play a little bit from your piece, Black Girl Rock. Led by women, the fight for the liberation of women must be embraced by men as well. The battle for women's liberation is especially critical with respect to the effort to build an effective black liberation movement. Watch that black girl rock, that black girl rock. Man, the whole world will put that black girl rock. You ride right through the rubble, so fly, no one's above you, so many lives you juggle, just to get by with your hustle, la 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 means I love you from the cradle to the grave, mama didn't raise no slaves, so don't even try to play those games, because you independent with an opinion, they call you angry, single mother, they write you off just for having a baby, so much disrespect and you gotta deal with it daily, and when you finally tell a man off, they call you crazy, nah, go ahead baby, you're jingling baby. pleasure to hear that those words that song what a what an antidote to the the misogynist stuff that you hear in too many songs um, that that's uh, celebrating um, black women and I, I I thank you for that and for uh, the women in my audience and and uh, everybody all of us not just black women but all of us we're looking for more yeah, respect. Yeah. And, and for me, it was, you know, and, you know, I've been going all around the country as, a, as an activist. And, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, in a lot of these cities, it's the young women that are leading these movements. And um, it's the young women that are, you know, really putting their lives on the line oftentimes for, for young black men that have been killed uh, by the police. And so I just wanted to, you know, definitely like affirm and, 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 and big up and show respect to, you know, these sisters that are on the front line, you know, really putting their lives on the line, you know, to get justice in our community. So absolutely. Um, I, I look forward to more uh, conversations, and I know Tannen uh, does as yeah. well. Uh, he um, talks about you a lot and was really blown away by you, likewise. Um, and uh, I hope, uh, hope we can get you here into New Orleans uh, sometime soon, too. 
I, I, I would love to. I mean, uh, last time I was there, I had a, had a wonderful time, and I was able to, you know, to uh, to go to Algiers and different parts of the city um, and, 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 and meet people and, and rock out with folks. So uh, I'm definitely excited to come back down there soon. So uh, absolutely. And I uh, also wanted to shout out to my brother, uh, Willie Muhammad, man, and I'm, he, he's doing a, a lot of great work with the peacekeepers in New Orleans and, and, and uh going in the community and helping to stop the violence. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's my brother as well. So shout out to him and uh, appreciate all the work that uh, people are doing in New Orleans to make it a, a, a better place to live for everybody. Thank you, Jaziri. Look forward to it and um, keep on. I think I think I just I think I just said goodbye and I think he's gone. Um, we're we're getting ready. We're queuing up uh, a gal who is um, part of a celebration that is 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 beginning uh, with this uh, with our sweethearts ball this year for the Contemporary Arts Center. This is a very big year for the Contemporary Arts Center. It is its 40th year, and I cannot tell you how proud those of us who. Um, helped kick it off way back in the 70s are that it is still going and, and going so strong. And um, after uh, a time of, of um, really difficulties after Katrina, it, it's incredible that we are, are getting back. It looks like I don't have a good number um, for Anais. Um, so I hope that you all are listening to the show and would call in because somehow uh, I must have uh, put in the wrong number. Um, so somebody with the Contemporary Arts Center, if you're out there, would you please get Anais to call us? That might be the best solution. And um, I'll talk a little bit about uh, what's happening with the CAC this coming year and what's been happening as we uh, get her on the line. So uh, Anais, uh, if you're listening, please call in. Um, or uh, Leslie, uh, if uh, I mean, um, anybody at the CAC who could get us hooked up, I, I would appreciate it. So we'll... we'll um, Talk a little bit about the CAC in the 40th as, as we wait. Um, well, let me say something about the Sweethearts Ball, because the Sweethearts Ball, when we first started it years ago, we, we chose to celebrate some of the arts um, innovators and leaders in town. And, and it wasn't just your folks who, you know, are the supporters and the donors, but it was really working artists who were out there doing things. And, and that's something that was very important in our early days of how we formed our board. It was very different from a lot of other organizations. It, it was just a monstrous board, and everybody thought we were crazy, and maybe we were. But we had a big 50-person uh, board because we were trying to make sure that we had a real mix of folks who could help support us, but also working artists. And we defined art in the in the broadest context, so it wasn't just about visual or even performing. It was installation. It was... Um, decorative arts, design arts, the, the, the full range of, of things that you can that you can be doing. So we really um, we were able to pull in a, a, a lot of talent, a lot of commitment. And, and that's, I think, what made the difference for that organization. While a lot of, a lot of others that formed around the same time kind of fell by the wayside, um, this organization really kind of hung in and um, and was able to keep growing and building because it had such strong uh, participation from the art the artists themselves the artists themselves I would have to say were really so key in, in getting it off the ground with our early shows when we didn't have you know 
I won't say it on the air, but a pot that you could do anything with, you know, we really had to um, scrap and clean up the johns ourselves and, and fix up, put up walls, do the whole thing. And uh, it, it paid off in the end. Um, and so now I would like um, to bring on uh, Miss John Nias. Uh, that's right, on East St. John. How are Anise. you? On East. I'm so sorry that uh, we <laughs> had something wrong with the phone number there. It's my fault, I'm sure. And um, But I'm glad to have you on because I, I gave a little bit of an intro about how this year is going to be. I, I, I understand it's kind of um, more than a year almost that they'll be celebrating, and, and right, rightfully so. But right. the um, the choice of, of having a Sweethearts Bowl this year that is, sounds like it's just going to be nothing but Fun, fun, fun. Oh, um, my goodness. Based yes. on, you know, some of the music genres of the 70s. Um, and, you know, I, oddly, we really did not do very much with disco at the CAC in the 70s. Our focus was more on jazz and, and sort of some of the innovative work that was going on at the time. We were kind of out in front of all that. Um, but what a, what a fun thing to have a party that just absolutely digs down into the disco era. So tell me about the show and, and what you're doing with it and, and what people exactly. can expect. Well, and let's start I, I with when it is. Let's start, with, a, let's start with yes. when it is. It is, uh, I'm doing a tribute to Donna Summer, so um, all of the songs will be uh, all of these great uh, hits from the 70s and uh, all of her, her songs that she performed during a span of her career. Hello? Yes. Yeah. So how did you, uh, tell me why Donna Summer, what, how did you happen to um, grab on to her music and, and what can people expect as an experience? I guess you want people to come dressed up for disco and you're going to oh, have, I'm absolutely. sure, a big mirrored ball. I want people ball. to be in the spirit of disco and the spirit of the 70s. And I had the idea of doing Donna Summer after watching her um, being uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, a year after her death. And as a child of the 70s. I've always loved this music, and I thought, what a wonderful idea to bring back uh, the, the sound of a generation, this music that people really still today love and, and love to get. It's, it's the energy. It's, it's the, the idea of just going out to have a fun, good time. I know that anytime I play these songs, everyone in the audience automatically starts singing along and starts to dance, and that's sort of the idea of having it really being an energetic, positive um, retrospect to the 70s. And uh, uh, fill me in a little bit and tell me a little bit about your background and, and, and give me beyond Donna Summer what Thank kind you. of thing you do. Yes. Well, I started off, I'm a native New Orleanian, and I started off as an opera singer here in New Orleans, singing with the New Orleans Whoa, opera. Whoa, opera and to disco. <laughs> very different from disco. So from then, I started, my career moved in, more into the jazz world here in New Orleans and, and jazz and cabaret. And uh, I really had a very successful career performing in uh, most of the major hotels in the city, and as well as at Le Chat Noir, the cabaret uh, nightclub here in New Orleans. Um, so I have done themed shows before, but this Donna Summer show really has been my most successful um, up to date. I'm very excited to present it for the CAC's um, Sweetheart Ball. And I'm sure, knowing the CAC, that they have gone all the way out to uh, create the environment uh, to surround 
uh, your performance and, and absolutely right. So tell me a little bit about what, what people about can expect all, when they walk the, in the my door. My performance is going to be in the warehouse, and they have built they built a stage and a runway so that the audience can get real close up to the stage and feel as if they are a part of the show. Um, that's very important. And with the audience being coming in, being encouraged to come in costumes, uh, I'm going to have a seven piece band, backup singers, my go go dancers, and and of course we're all going to be dressed in seventies attire. In addition, there's going to be disco balls, and, and uh, 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 graphics to go along with the music. So every song, you, you're just going to feel like you're, you've been transported into the era, into this wonderful era of the 70s. Total immersion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so obviously this is um, the CAC's major gala of the year. So this is an important source of funding that supports all of the programming of the, the CAC. And the programming lately has just been so strong. Uh, both the visual arts and one of the honorees this year is Jacqueline Humphreys, of course, who we had on the show not too long ago, um, who is uh, a fabulous painter and, and actually a native of New Orleans. And her work is up and she's being honored. And tell me about the honorees and tell me about, um, you know, how people can get tickets, the ticket price. Well, yes. And, and, all, and just keep in like mind, guys, when you hear the tickets, because as you said, you know, the funding from this um, gala underwrites all of the programs. So, please, if you're interested getting getting tickets and there are tickets at all levels there's uh vip tickets there's tickets to the uh the show and then there's also the after party and just just i want to make sure your listeners know that um there are 50 dollar tickets for the late night party that's going to be dj'd um but all you really have to do is call 528-3800 or go to the the website at cacno.org to get tickets and um, I am looking forward to all of the aspects of the gala um, and certainly um, am looking forward to my performance and being able to party with everyone who's there. So I can't resist asking, what are you wearing? <laughs> oh, well, I can guarantee you it's going to be shiny and sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't decided, but it will definitely be. I, I will, I'm hoping to be able to compete with the disco balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And um, uh, food, I know that uh, there's always great food at the gala. So who who are some of the restaurateurs that are? Oh, well, um I know that there's going to be a, about a dozen restaurant tours. I'm, I'm looking here, and I'm seeing that um, I don't have all of the names, but I know there's going to be so many different uh, restaurant tours, about a dozen. So lots of great food. Lots of great food. Lots pulsing, of variety of pulsing food. music, pulsing music. Pulsing music and, and options for uh, people who want to do the VIP experience, the entire experience, or maybe if you just want to do the late-night party. So there's an option for everyone uh, who wants who would like to enjoy a great night of um, good fun and for a a great cause. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a kick, and it sounds like it's the kind of thing that you should bring, you know, your your whole posse of friends, right, and get everybody to dress up together and be a part of it together. So um, it's going to be a super thing. It is our Sweetheart's Ball. I don't remember exactly what number this is. Do you know? It's... It's, it's up there. It's the, I know it's the, the 40th anniversary. It's our 40th anniversary. I don't think we didn't do a gala in the first year, so I'm not sure exactly how many years. But um, oh, oh, well. Jean, I have I have the information for you about the restaurants. I want everybody to know there's going to be a Chapalaya, the Audubon Nature Institute, Blue Crab, Brennan's, the Napoleon House, and so many more. So, Yum. Uh, oh, how exciting. Yum. For a girl who didn't have breakfast, sounds <laughs> wonderful. Have a blast with it. Enjoy it. And, and everybody, be sure you. and get out there. It's not only 
is it a fun thing, but it's obviously a really good cause, supporting some of the most important innovative work being done in the city. This is Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations. We are out of here, and the one and only Chuck Perkins is up next. Here he is pointing straight at me. I'll see you all soon. Bye. Thank you.